emerging from the economy of the Industrial Revolution. An economy confined to and limited by the Earth's physical resources into the economy in mind, in which there are no bounds on human imagination and the freedom to create is the most precious natural resource. Welcome to the Soul of Enterprise, Business and the Knowledge Economy, sponsored by Sage, energizing business builders around the world through the imagination of our people and the power of technology. I'm Ron Baker, along with my good friend, Verisage Institute colleague and co-host, Ed Kless. And on today's show, folks, we are doing On Healing Leadership. How you doing, Ed? I'm good, Ron. You sound very AM radio voice this week. Uh, it might be because I'm kind of fighting a cold that just came on me <laughs> yesterday. But uh, So I'm going to let you do most of the talking. But this is how I wanted to uh, start this, Ed. It, imagine, folks, if you were at a conference and you were looking through the list of breakout sessions, and there's a, usually a little description, and you read this one. And the title of the session is On Healing Leadership. And here's the description. This session is dedicated to the possibility that the majority of leadership thinking is wrong and it is ultimately based on manipulation, trying to get someone to do something. Coming to terms with this idea is difficult, not for everyone, because it requires us to examine some of our most deeply held beliefs and either dismiss them or at least think differently about them. There we go with that changing your mind theme. Uh, If you are interested in hearing a conversation about healing leadership, you are invited to attend the session. Would that entice you or repel you? Well, Ed enticed me, and and I attended your... (laughs) I, inte- I attended the session that you did at Sage Toronto. I think it was back in, what was that? It was June, right? June. Like, yeah, it was yeah, June. Yeah, late mm-hmm. June. And unfortunately, I couldn't sit there the whole thing because I had a session right after yours that we had to get that I had to get to to set up. But I did, I did catch a good 80% of it. And you had a really, really interesting, innovative way to open that session. Ha- can you describe what you did? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. And I... I've- I forget what inspired me to do this, and and the first time I did it, I believe it was at an AICPA show, Ron. So it was even more like daunting because, uh, you know, at least at least the 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 folks at Sage are are for good or for bad. You, let's call it used to me a little, you know, because right. <laughs> right. people know. Okay, it's an Ed session. All right, yeah. But you know, AICPA, the people rolling in there, you know, they weren't expecting it. I open with. There's a there's a cover version of Simon and Garfunkel's wonderful song called "The Sound of Silence," mm-hmm. and it's by a, a band called Disturbed. And if you'd see them, you'd you'd see, oh yeah, okay, got it. What a great <laughs> uh, but name. yeah, it's a great name. But they do, they have this fantastic cover, and we'll put a we'll put a link up to. And the video is 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 really good too. I don't play the video, but I do I do play the. The uh, the song and and unlike the the Simon and Garfunkel version, this one this one kind of builds right. The the regular Simon and Garfunkel original song, there's it's it's le- pretty level throughout. You know it 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 ends a little bit louder than it started, but this one kind of starts pretty low, and then just every verse it's almost like a what I guess it would be a, 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 a bolero, right? Um, mm-hmm. you, right, where it just sure. the, the part of a bolero is it just keeps getting louder and louder and louder and louder. And then 
at the end it's it's just this very full rich music a lot of lot of stuff going on and i also make sure that i only have my volume up about halfway when i when it starts and then as each verse goes i i crank up the volume even more so that at the end like it's just echoing through this enti- in the entirety of the room <laughs> people at the AIC PA where they're, they're looking around like what the hell is going on here you right, know some right. of them cause some, some of them they're, they're 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 trying to like get last minute work done um and and I there's one guy that was clearly upset that it was loud, so loud um but sure. anyway and then so the so the song finishes and I I walk I usually walk in from the back because one of the things that I'm I, I try to do with many sessions but especially this one is greet everybody at the back of the room. Mm-hmm. And, and and I know didn't Paul Dunn used to do that as well. You said that was yes. kind of hit one of his things. Yeah, absolutely. I, and I, I I do that often, but but when I deliver this session, it's, it's kind of part of the gig. I gotta, I gotta make sure that, yes, I'm going to be doing that. And I greet everybody usually by name. I read their name off their little lanyard card and welcome to the session, you know, and kind of, kind of thing. And I walk in from the back of the room. So I'm not even up at the front. And I, I reiterate one of the, what I think is one of the, the key lyrics of this is uh, people talking without speaking people hearing without listening love that yeah and i think it's just a it's a it's a great reminder of 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 sort of what's going on everywhere right it's it's not just uh, politics in our world but it's it it certainly happens in in companies and organizations and families sadly right yeah and uh so it's it's just a really it's a really good i think lead in to 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 the to the session so, the, the 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 then I usually talk a little bit even before moving on to because I know we're going to talk about the, the the famous Edwin Friedman quote that I have a whole blog post dedicated to just the quote, <laughs> but right. um, that but what the other thing that I usually tend to talk about early on is that healing leadership is intended as a double entendre, and of course, it would be remiss of me not to mention here that that the, this is this session is is taken directly from the the work of my mentor Howard Hansen and and his partner uh, now to see Steve Jeske and the wonderful work that that they've done building on Edwin Friedman and we'll get to him a little bit later and and others and uh, I, I've just been honored to work with with Howard and Steve for a long time on this and can continue to get encouragement from them to to not only take the stuff that they started but extend it Right to make to in a way make it my own. Well, anyway, their their whole purpose in in naming their book "Healing Leadership" is that's a it's a double entendre, right? It's not only do we have to heal leadership because that's what the session description is talking about, right? That there's a significant problem in what's happening in leadership development today because it's 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 far, far too much of it is manipulation. How do really how do we how do how do I get someone to do something for me, right? right How do right. I get them to do what I want them to do, right? And and I think it's it's very manipulative in in most ways, and and certainly the stuff that's the you know the 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 five steps. Here's your che- leadership checklist. Any of that stuff, right? It's 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 all about you know what what are the tools and techniques that you can use to to manipulate the behavior of others, and I I just I just don't think that's very cool, right? So healership. I'm sorry, healing leadership. Leadership as a concept 
needs to be healed. But then, and I think this is the the more beautiful of the two aspects of this title, it's that if done right in organizations, leadership itself can be healing inside businesses. And one of the, I think, the most important things that I learned from Howard and Steve is that, and they uh, believe this, and, and we've talked a lot about it, is that the only place where leadership has a chance to truly be healing is in, let's call it an entrepreneurial firm, mm-hmm. an, an entrepreneurial environment, because it's the, it's the one place in society that is where, with, where, where the intention is to disturb and break the status quo, right? To do, do things differently in some way, to, to figure something new out, to innovate, Right. And and, you know, there one of the things that I think Edwin Friedman talks a lot about, too, is that that all of this stuff in in, in certainly in, in large institutions like, uh, unfortunately, churches um, and, or synagogues or mosques, also in uh, in in government organizations, it, it, certainly in some some larger businesses, but even like NGOs and not for profits. Oftentimes, the, 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 the unstated purpose of the organization is to preserve the status quo. And there, you know, there might not be anything wrong with that, per se. Certainly, certainly a, a, a church or a religion, you certainly are talking about preserving the, the history of the past. I mean, that's, that's in, in some ways what it's about. But there really does, there, there, there really is that, that thing that's in the way then that says, okay, well, you know, how, let's how we figure out how to innovate. Right. Let's face it. Churches are not places where we go for innovation. That might be okay, but the problem is is that the leadership model that's that we find in them is really ubiquitous throughout all of these organizations. But it's only in the entrepreneurial organization where, again, that 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 break the status quo uh, is 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 the not only the norm, but is but is oftentimes uh, celebrated. And it's the only place where Howard and Steve believe that leadership can be healing and we can begin to heal the wounds of others uh, in a lot of different places. So this is a deep topic. (laughs) It it is. And Ed, they focused on the small business, like you said, the entrepreneurial type startup, because they even looked at big businesses kind of beyond repair, didn't they? I mean... Yeah, and that's and that's that's why I try to say entrepreneurial because I I, I do think that there is there are large businesses or perhaps d- divisions or or teams in in large organizations where you can find where you can find uh, entrepreneurial thinking, right? Sure, sure. And there, therefore, I, I don't want to just dismiss it outright and say all big business by definition can have it. I want I want to I want to preserve the notion and, and and give a little shout out to the the entrepreneurs who work in in large businesses and but 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 who who make their teams or 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 the, or the, the like I said their their divisions their product groups whatever places where where this can take root right the entrepreneurs if you will yeah there you go the, the other interesting thing about this is is the word healing i i always thought that that was a very i know it was a very deliberate choice on their part to use that term that's a very interesting word to throw mm-hmm. in front of leadership. It is, and it is, and and it, it as oftentimes as I 
talk about it or post the session. And even usually when I'm describing it to people who are asking, you know, hey, what sessions can you do? And I, and, uh, I will almost always offer this one up because I think it's important. And it, it really was two years before anybody took me up on it, <laughs> um, before I was able to present the session. But uh, it makes people pause. It makes people stop. You can you can hear them when you say, hey, this is, I got the session called Healing Leadership. And there's there's like they got nothing for a while because they got to process it. Yep, yep. It 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 really is kind of a non sequitur to throw those two words together in in some mm-hmm. respects in a business context. Right. I, I, right. I remember you know I was privileged when they asked me uh, Howard Hansen and Steve Jeske to to write the foreword to their book, and one of the things I said in the foreword was how many books on leadership have you read where the central message is you can't succeed at affecting change in the people you lead <laughs> that, that you need to get out of the business of needing others to change. Right. I, I mean, that, that, that is so counterintuitive and that, and that's what I just loved about this book. But like you said, this is a deep topic and, and I, and I think it's full of complexity it is it is very full of complexity and it's 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 not i was going to say it's full of contradictions it's not full of contradictions it's it's full of counterintuitive insights that are not contradictions once you begin to examine them in some way right right and and, when, and, and what you unravel is the stuff that you thought was the the leadership models they're the ones that are contradictory Right. And, and when we come back from this break, I, you know, I think the, the quote that you start this session with, your first slide, really kind of sums up the, the Healing Leadership book as well. And, of course, it's from another book. And yep. uh, we'll talk about that when we return from the break, folks. But in the meantime, if you want to contact Ed or myself, you can do so at asktsoe at verisage.com. We love getting your emails. Please keep sending them in. And if you have a chance, go out to iTunes and and give us a review. That really helps the show and allows us to get great guests. And now we want to hear from our sponsor, Leading Results. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Is your website just a brochure or is it your best salesperson? If your site is not the best lead generation tool you have, we should talk. We are leading results. We build websites and marketing programs that impact your bottom line. Using HubSpot or WordPress, we'll create a website and supporting marketing program that gets your business found, converts web visitors to leads, and provides clear tracking on what is and is not working. Learn about our team and approach to your success. Visit leadingresults.com slash TSOE to find out more. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. But have you ever read a book where the foreword changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the foreword to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its foreword. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the foreword and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. 
We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Klass. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. The colossal. I love that word, Ron, colossal. The colossal, the colossal misunderstanding of our time is the assumption that insight will work with people who are unmotivated to change. The colo- I know. You could write <laughs> right? a whole book. You could write a whole book around that. <laughs> In fact, Edwin Friedman did. <laughs> he sure did. Um, the colossal misunderstanding of our time is the assumption that insight will work with people who are unmotivated to change. And one of the the really cool things that Friedman posits in this book is that this is this is true across all types of relationships and of course he was a a family therapist and and did a lot of work around family systems theory and we certainly you can certainly see how this would be applicable in a family you know you got a a 17 year old son or a daughter right (laughs) try if you and who who are not motivated to change what they what it is that they want to do and no matter what you say or do or they're not going to be able to change them right and uh, so, I, so I think that this this happens certainly inside family systems for sure. But then, what's I think great about it is he extends it out. He says, well, it's also true amongst interpersonal relationships, and whether that's you know just in your neighborhood or perhaps in in your church or synagogue or mosque or in you know not for profit organizations, charitable organizations that you work in. It's also true there. It's also true when you go to work. Uh, in businesses, right? The assumption that you can change people's minds if they're unmotivated to change by just giving them that nugget. That's the phrase you hear, right, Ron? If I just, they just, if I just give them this little piece, this little insight that will make them go, oh, I get it. Got it. Or, right. Or evidence or evidence <laughs> yeah. or mm-hmm. something. Yeah. Data. Data. We got it. I got data. the, I got, got the data. Yep. I got the data. Right. Uh, and, and people, you know, just re- refusing it. Certainly, you know, the political landscape and political conversations, this is, this is prevailing. But, you know, I think you scale all the way on, on up to international relations. And the example that I use is a little bit old. I'm probably going to come up with a better one. But is, you know, Saddam Hussein back in the back in the first Gulf War. Right. You know, it's like, well, what what part of you need to let the U.N. inspectors in <laughs> or we're going to take you out? Right. What? Yeah. What didn't you get? Right. <laughs> what? Well, there was, you know, two hundred fifty thousand. I don't know the exact number. American troops lined up on your border, and you're either letting the inspectors in, or we're sending them. We're sending the troops in. <laughs> it's like okay, the, the I, you know, I don't know what what more insight you can have. Did he not believe it was two hundred fifty thousand troops? Did he not believe that our weapons were there? And you know. Certainly, what it comes down to it is he was unmotivated to change simply because he couldn't, he, as the, the dictator in perpetuity, to admit to that would have been tantamount to, you know, kill, suicide, right? Sure. So, 
you know, his only his only choice, at least in his mind, was to maintain his position, which, you know, in the end didn't work out so well. So, Which is but, really ironic, because if he didn't have them, why wouldn't uh-huh. he let the inspectors in? Right. <laughs> you could be, you know. Yep. 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 It's, it's weird, right? So... Uh, anyway, so you see, you see the the scalability of this concept be, being completely usable across all things, and uh, the 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 notion then is to recognize that this is the case, and that so so it, and then I usually say something like, well, if this is true, if you buy into this, and I get I usually see a lot of head nods, right? Yeah. Like buy into this. What's your choice? What's the what's the and and Friedman posits this. He said, look, if you care about the relationship remain close to that person and work on changing yourself instead of trying to change them. If you don't care about the relationship, if it's not a relationship that you want to continue, make sure you break the relationship off and don't participate in it anymore. Which and is so is go so against the grain of a business book that would give you 10 things to do to get that person to change. Right. <laughs> yep. It really, yep. the, the book, uh, Friedman's book and, and Jeske and, and Hansen's book, and folks will link to both of them, um, Edwin Friedman's book is a failure of nerve. Um, they both advocate a way of being, don't they, Ed? It's, it's, yeah. it's not a mechanistic science of this is how we deal with people. It, it's really, truly a way of being. Um, yeah, the, but, uh, Howard, I think, and Steve used the, the word mode, a mode of being. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. So, and that's, yeah, that's, that's, that, that's what it's about. And, and what is fantastic about this, Ron, is that people, people do embrace this once it's explained, right? And, and not everyone, because there's plenty of people, I am sure, and I, I would guess it's maybe 80% walk out of there going, that was interesting. <laughs> okay. Where's the five tips <laughs> session? Right, right, right. Which, which is the sweet spot on the four, the you know two by two matrix I'm supposed to be in? Right, right, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, perhaps we'll get to that. But uh, you know, the, and but the but but the people who do get it get it deep and they get it quickly. Yep. You know, and they're I've had more fascinating conversations with people immediately after this session. And and more words of of thanks for presenting this and and for sharing these ideas than I have in any any other session, including all of the VP stuff, timesheets, technology, innovating, all of that, all of the other gr- really great sessions that I have. This is the one that, w- without fail, will will get several people coming up at the end of the session in right. in sincere thanks for the presentation. You know, there are so many different leadership models out there, you know, servant leadership and this and, then you know, officers eat last or, you know, whatever the new Simon Sinek thing is. <laughs> right. um, and, and these guys just take them all down, every one of them. Mm-hmm. And they say none of them have any validity whatsoever. It's just it, it's it's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's fascinating. It's fascinating stuff. And. It, it is one of those things that once you once you start to for, foray into it, uh, there, there's there's so so much of it, and you and here's the here's the other thing too that 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 they and Howard I think 
was the one who told me this story. Um, perhaps we'll get get into the concept of a triangle later today, right? An, an emotional triangle. And I, I said, well, how, how, Howard, how often do you get this stuff right? Not just emotional triangles, but this stuff. How often do you get this right? And he's like, well, I don't know, maybe three out of ten times. <laughs> right. We're back to the Baseball Hall of Fame here. Right, exactly. I guess three, yes. about three out of ten times. You know, it's a because most of the time you you don't. And the 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 biggest key in is to is to is to recognize even after you go down some of this path that you're gonna fail at it, like and a lot, and and that's just part of it. You've just gotta accept it and move on. No. You know, I don't know. I don't know if I'm jumping out of order here, but in in your talk, you you gave yeah. signs. Since we're a business show, let's talk about this in terms of organizations. I know it's just as applicable to any human relationship anywhere. In fact, I right. think I wrote in the foreword that I wish I would have read this in elementary school. Uh, yeah. It would have made relationships with people better. But you give signs of organizational gridlock. Yeah. And, and and I guess those are symptoms or or you know indicators that something needs to change. What are some of those things? Yeah, and we'll post the we'll post the, uh, the a link to all of the slides too, this, so you can can look through these. And and I believe that this stuff is a, a direct lift from from Howard and Steve's work. So I just want to give them full full credit for this. Uh, uh, there, I don't know. There, are, I don't even have them numbered on here because it doesn't matter. But there's got to be over a dozen. Mm-hmm. And usually, I just I throw the list up and I say, look, take take a take a look through this list. Y- your organization is going to have m- several. Several. <laughs> Yeah, easily, easily several. It's it's just really meant as a guidepost to get you to say, okay, yep, I can see you know where we have this. But I'll usually pick a couple of them, and one that always fascinates me, and because it gets a chance for me to talk about a a great word, and that is the notion of resistance and sabotage. Um, I think on one of our previous shows we we talked about resistance and in and Peter Block's work in consulting theory around overcoming resistance, Mm -hmm. right? But but. But uh, Friedman takes it one step further, and he talks about expect sabotage, right? That that leaders should expect sabotage. Like if if you're doing it right, you'll get sabotage. (laughs) Yeah, that's so true. So true. (laughs) Right. And um, I get to tell the story of of where the word sabotage comes through. So let me just take you through it quickly. I know you know it, Ron, but it's just a fascinating story. And that is that the the sabo is the is the 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 word for a shoe uh, in northern France, very similar to the Dutch wood shoes, mm, right? Mm-hmm. Sorry, and the sabots. Uh, the 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 what they, there was a, a group of people who took their shoes off and and brought them into the 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 uh, the the mill where they were working. You know they would do it in hand looming. Well, they had replaced them with these machines, right? So they came in, and they took off their shoes, and they they used their shoes to destroy the machinery, right? And they became known as the saboteurs, right? And uh, I usually end that story by saying it ultimately didn't work out all that well for them. There's in France, they'd have automatic looming machines now. So it really right, was just, right. in the end, they've rebuilt built the machines. But another the, version the other, of the Luddites. Yeah, right. Another yeah. version of the Luddites, for sure. For sure. But the the other one that, that, that of course, I, and we talked about this one on another show that we did on, on about questions, right? And that is that uh, the this the sign another sign of gridlock is an organization that consistently looks for answers rather than taking a step back and reframing questions. Yeah, right? I love that one. Yeah, 
and that is that is such a that such a huge thing uh, to be able to do that. It, just a quick thing that popped into my head. We're about two minutes left to the break, but one of the weird things about doing this session, Ron, is I have to prepare the most for this session when I deliver this session. Mm. And by prepare, I don't mean go through the slides. You mean yourself? I mean, I have to. Yeah, I gotta. I gotta like get in a zone to do yeah. this session. I totally I, understand that. And and I really it 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 takes preparation. And I I I practice something that 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 Steve taught me, which is just a, a little a relaxation technique, and it's it's based on Reiki, right? Mm-hmm. Which is about. About 15 minutes before I, I go on or actually start welcoming people, I just kind of stand over alone to, my, to, to myself and breathe for a while and, and, and think of someone or something or that, that for which I'm grateful in my life. And I try to keep focused on that for, I don't know, three to five minutes or so, right? Um, and it's, it's amazing what that does. I, yeah, it centers you. Yeah, yeah. It's really cool stuff. So anyway, there's another, another little. I guess it. I guess that is a tip. But we're trying to avoid tips on this show. There's not a. It's not. There's not a. <laughs> Especially with this material, there's no. Yeah, you've got to process it in your own way. I remember working with Paul Dunn, and before he went on to speak, he would do the same thing. He'd find a, a corner or something, just stand there. But he would mutter to himself, "It's about them," or "It's for them." It's in other words, it's about the audience. It's not about mm-hmm. me. It's not about the content. It's about them. Ironically, I think I think that we would uh, that that Friedman and perhaps Howard and Steed would disagree with that notion. I, probably, <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably, which is what I love about this book. And and Steve and uh, Howard Hansen's book and Steve's book is called Healing Leadership. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we will we will definitely get um, a link to that, a survival guide for the enlightened leader. Uh, it's a great book. But folks, uh, we're up against our next break here. We'd like to remind you. If you want to contact Ed or me, you can do so at asktsoe at verisage.com. Check out the soulofenterprise.com. We, we will link uh, full show notes up. We'll, we'll put the books up in uh, Ed's PowerPoint slide from the session that we're discussing. And also you can find all of our prior episodes under the archive tab, and you can listen right there. And now we want to hear from our sponsor. of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. But have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the forward to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its forward. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the forward and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480 294 
888-346-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. tuned into the soul of enterprise with ron baker and ed class to find out more about our show visit us on the web at the soul of you can also chat with us on twitter using hashtag ask tsoe now back to the soul of enterprise well, welcome back everybody we're here discussing on healing leadership kind of a synthesis of uh, Howard Hansen and Steve Jeske's book, Healing Leadership, and Edwin Friedman's book. And now I'm going to throw in another book, Ed. Uh, All right. To really, to really uh, to, you know, stir up the stew. Jeffrey Pfeiffer, who's a professor of organizational behavior at Stanford Graduate School of Business, written many books. I like a lot of them. This guy's up there in that second tier of management thinkers that I like, you know, Gary, like with Gary Hamill and that type of that type of rank. And he wrote a book back in 2015 called Leadership BS, <laughs> Fixing Workplaces and Careers One Truth at a Time. And it's just an incredible indictment of the entire leadership industry that he says peddles more hope than reality. It uses wishes rather than data, beliefs instead of science. It's filled with fables, not facts. He, in fact, he calls it lay preaching because mm. it's it's like religion in the sense that it gives people a false sense of control, you know, the illusion of control, if sure. you will. And he, you know, cites a lot of different evidence that leadership fails with unacceptable frequency. Um, and the leadership industry has failed in its 40-year history to improve the human condition. Now, this is something that Rabbi Lappin talks about in some of his work and on his shows. You know, we can make doctors, we can make lawyers, we can make military strategists. Why can't we make leaders? And Pfeiffer says, well, look, you, you know, you go, go look at your typical leadership session. That's why I wanted to read your session description. And, you know, it'll, it'll be advertised as an inspiring leadership course. But Pfeiffer says inspiration doesn't produce change. You know, right. who goes to a medical school? What what medical school advertises our classes are inspiring? <laughs> <laughs> and you know, it's it's a really good point. And I and I think in that respect, his diagnosis of leadership I think aligns perfectly with with uh, Howard's and Steve's. Mm-hmm. I, I think they may differ in some of the proposed prescriptions or recommendations they put forth, and and maybe that's that's where we can turn. But, mm-hmm. you know, Pfeiffer says leadership, the leadership industry, all the books and gurus he's basically talking about, is obsessively focused on the normative, what, what leaders should do and how things ought to be. And right. they completely ignore what is true and what is going on and why it's happening. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I go, go ahead. 
Well, he and and the other, you know, he he lays out, you know, the the summation of most leadership books. You know, there's five leadership attributes: a leader needs modesty, a need, a leader needs authenticity, right. a leader needs truthfulness, trustworthiness, and concern for the welfare and well-being of others. Right. Mm-hmm. But he he said you don't find these traits anywhere in the leaders of well large organizations. Mm-hmm. Um, they're just they're the lack of these traits is what's overwhelming. And, he, and his indictment of the leadership gurus is it'd be more helpful to understand why and how people who don't have those five attributes have reached such powerful positions. Yes. Yeah, and that's it, a w- really interesting point. He's turned it around. Yes, he has turned it around. And, um, you know, that, that, that said, you know, it, it's the way, the way that, that, healing leadership looks at it is yet a, a, another completely different way. And that is that it's the, the, the really the cause of, of all of, of, of this is, is our anxiety, right? Mm-hmm. Our anxiety, anxiety as people. Right. And one of the, the, the most fascinating insights in, in healing leadership is a concept that they break anxiety into two different Two different types of anxiety. For the first is what's called the chronic anxiety, right? That's the anxiety that that you and I we carry with us all the time, even when we're sleeping, right? Mm-hmm. There's this slight whatever this this level of anxiety that we we have with us all the time, and then the second type of anxiety is the episodic anxiety, right? Or sometimes I'm referred to as the the, the transactional anxiety. This is the anxiety that happens. D- different times, different places during the day, right? So you wake wake up in the morning. Uh, maybe you're, you you hit the the snooze alarm once too much, and now you you feel like you're late. Uh, you know you're trying to get the kids out to school, right? That 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 I don't know, in the class household that's always a little bit of a battle royal sometimes, right? Sure, sure. All right. Uh, you know, then I come come upstairs, get settled in, right? Things are going well. Oh, then I got this call that I got to deal with that I really just don't want to deal with. That so that increases my anxiety level. Then, uh, you know, then things can maybe level out. Watch the Met game for a while. Oh, that induces anxiety. Actually, now that the season's over for them, is less anxiety watching baseball for me because they're out of the playoff picture. So, um, wow. But <laughs> yeah, that was so, bad. Uh, yeah. Yeah, well, you know, it's September, but anyway, the 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 and then it kind of levels off. So, but but if you think about it during like almost like a stock market thing during the day, right? That episodic anxiety goes up and down and up and down, right? Like an EKG, yeah, 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 like an EKG. Here's the here's the thing, and is that that, and I think this is what uh, was it Pfeiffer mm-hmm. is talking about is that all of the the leadership books are focused on the episodic type of anxiety right they're focused on treating that episodic and they're not dealing with the chronic now here's the situation so i and you this is will be much easier for people if they get onto the website and see that there's two graphs that i'm talking about so imagine that you have a chronic level of anxiety of one right so that's the thing that you carry around with you all of the time and then you have these ups and downs during the day that knock it might maybe as high as six or seven um, pretend you have like a threshold of say six and a half. When you get after six and a half, you become what that uh, 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 Goldman would call emotionally hijacked, right? Where you where you're not really you're not really getting back to your brain and thinking about things deeply. You're just letting your emotions run wild, right? 
And so if you have a chronic level of anxiety of one, perhaps you, you jump over that threshold maybe twice during the day, right? Mm-hmm. But then there's a graphic that shows the exact same transactional anxiety, right? The exact same level of transactional of anxiety during the day. However, in a person who starts off with a chronic anxiety level of four instead of one, Right, which is right. kind of like a flat line. Which is a flat it, line, right? Yeah. So, th- so this this person then spends the majority of their their waking hours in this highly charged, highly anxious state, right? And they they hardly ever fall fall below the threshold at all. Now, no amount of no matter what what tools and techniques you can throw at me, there's no amount of that stuff that's going to allow you to bring your that transaction or th- that episodic anxiety down to a, a, an extraordinarily low level for an entire day. We 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 are, are we, we just we're not we're not built that way. Our our lives are not like that. Yeah. Right. So what healing leadership says is what if we really want to treat this, what we have to do is we have to begin to treat the chronic anxiety, and I think. To me, that's probably the biggest difference in thinking that that healing leadership has uh, w- really shared with me is that we don't we don't look at this episodic stuff, which is what you know the other one hundred ninety two thousand three hundred and forty nine books on leadership. By the way, I just looked that up. Ron in on Amazon are focused on, and, right? and a lot of them had I don't even think mention anxiety. Pfeiffer doesn't. No, no, at all. No. Certainly not in this framework. No, and, and, and explain and, why anxiety is bad. Yeah, that's good. That's good because, and I, and I really like this notion: anxiety and creativity are always inversely proportional to each other. Mm-hmm. Right? The more anxious you are, the less creative you can be, and you can't turn on creativity. Right? You can't say, "I got to be creative now." In fact, it makes you more anxious. <laughs> you know, sure, there's sure. the weird part. Right? So if you have, if you force, if you're forcing creativity, you're just going to be more anxious. But they're inversely proportional. Now, so you can't turn on creativity, but you can begin to learn how to self-regulate your level of anxiety. And this is where, if you begin to 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 look at how how is it that you can lower your chronic level of anxiety, not just the stuff that's going to happen during the day, that that's where it's going to begin to make a longer term difference. Um, and this is really hard stuff because it 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 doesn't happen overnight. It 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 it's it's like dieting, I guess, in that sense. Is that you know it would be real easy for us to lose weight if we didn't eat the donut day one and we lost five pounds the next day. Sure, sure. It's right. almost kind of like, you know, blood pressure. I mean, yeah, you're going to have these anxiety levels throughout the day and your pressure is going to go up and down and it peaks and it has valleys. But you really want to lower that chronic, you know, constant mm-hmm. level of blood pressure. And, and that's what's really great about this. And it, yeah. it, it gets back to that mode of being. Correct, correct. And we'll, well, we can talk about that um, perhaps after the break, but I just want to tell a quick story that I think really illustrates this notion of anxiety and creativity. And uh, it's, 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 of course, the, the story of, of Captain Chesley Sullenberger, the guy who landed the plane in the Hudson. Mm-hmm. And I think I've told this story on this on the show before, but it's 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 worth repeating. It's that good. Is you know, One of the things that he did was not only self-regulate himself, Right, he he deflected the the anxiety of his co-pilot 
uh, Skiles, I believe his name was Jim Skiles, by putting him in charge of something, some some task that just just to get him out of the way. Um, the I think he told, yeah, he sold. The he said, tech, cut, yeah, checklist, the ditch checklist, which is yeah. supposed to be executed from like thirty five thousand feet. There's no way he was getting through it, right. but. He was like, well, I, I just got to get Jim to be focused on something else. So then I think the words that he uses successfully crashed the aircraft, right? Um, and, I, and I love this notion that and the, 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 perhaps it's best, best illustrated. And I'll see if I can find a link to this little short video clip of, of Katie Couric interviewing Captain Sullenberger. Mm-hmm. A number of months later, for, I think it was for 60 Minutes, and uh, Katie Couric says... Um, Captain Sullenberger, did you pray? And he, without without like skipping a beat, he goes, "No, ma'am." There were 156 people behind me taking care of that. Yeah, <laughs> right? absolutely. <laughs> right. So he because because he 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 could not be anxious. He had to he had to keep himself at a, a low low anxious position to be able to come up with the creative solution of you know crash successfully crashing the aircraft. So. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a great, great example. Uh, this is this is fantastic, Ed. And when we come back, um, I also want to throw in another author that we both admire too, and his definition of leadership, which I think is wonderful. But folks, in the meantime, we'd like to remind you: you can follow the show at at AskTSOE on Twitter, and if you want to send Ed or myself an email, you can do so at AskTSOE at Verisage Check out our conference in uh, Dallas coming up, or in, in Allen, Texas, coming up in November. At, at, what is it? At verisage.com slash com slash verisage. And you can see the agenda. We're doing two conferences kind of back-to-back. One is an art of value. One is Verisage. We'd love to have you there. And so you can check that out. And now we want to hear from our sponsor, Sage. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Wherever your business is headed, Sage has the cloud solution you need to enable mobile accounting and simplify financial management. Discover how moving your financial data and accounting processes to the cloud can transform your business. Cloud accounting software from Sage can help you make better decisions, drive faster responses, and gain greater control. That's cloud accounting for the journey. For more information, visit sage.com forward slash US forward slash SOE. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. But have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the forward to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its forward. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the forward and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You 
You're tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Class. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. Well, welcome back, everybody. We're here discussing on healing leadership. Uh, and Ed Warren Bennis is a pretty famous leadership guru. And when he was president of the University of Cincinnati, Pfeiffer loves to point out that his tenure was not entirely successful. <laughs> it was, he was more skilled at advocating decentralization than practicing it. And there was an enormous gap between the rhetoric of his books and the reality of his actual leadership. Uh, so Pfeiffer does a great job in, in the leadership BS book of just, you know, taking down some of these some of these gurus and some of these overarching theories of leadership. But his recommendations for improving leadership, I just wanted to run these by you really fast and see where you think Steve and Howard Hansen would agree and where they might disagree. He said, here are his three recommendations. Measure and hold people accountable. Now, before you, because I went ballistic when I read that, he said, but just keep in mind, he says he admits that measuring the wrong things is worse than measuring nothing. And mm-hmm. it, but he does admit, just like Drucker, what gets inspected gets affected. And he uses the analogy of student evaluations. And he said, these are the wrong measures because they have nothing to do with learning, as we know, right? right. They'll lead to great entertainment. They'll, they'll lead to great inspiring, you know, motivational talks, but they won't lead to any real lasting change or education. So he says, we have to measure and hold people accountable for the right things. You have to acknowledge the different interests of leaders and their companies, you have to acknowledge that the CEO does not have the same interests as the line worker. And this might be why he, he makes 330 times more and why they get massive severance packages even when they screw up, right? Mm-hmm. He says we have, to, we have to acknowledge that reality and the current leadership literature doesn't. And his last one is we have to use more scientific methods and worry about credentials more. Which I found really interesting about the credentials. Let's put that aside, um, but use more scientific me- methods. What he means is, you know, evaluate the empirical evidence and evaluate the data mm-hmm. on, on the way things really are, not the way our stories and fables and dreams and wishes say they should be. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack there. I mean, I, I'm not. I, I don't believe in ignoring the data. I do believe in that that the data can be helpful. I I I do think, however, that data, and this is back to Friedman, da- data is like a substance abuse problem. I think it, it has to be used sparingly and correctly. Uh, and sadly, far too many people get get addicted to data, mm-hmm. and it be, and it becomes more about the data. You know, one of the particular insights, and I'm not sure where this comes from. I don't think it came from healing leadership, but this is more of a Druckerism, and I've been thinking a lot about it lately. Is this notion that why the systems that we have are supposed to serve us, we're not supposed to serve the systems. Right. Right. And right. And gosh, man, that 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 service of the service of the system is ubiquitous. Mm-hmm. And yep. and I, what's crazy is what I hear a lot from leaders is and and the system then doesn't serve us because the data still sucks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. It, it was kind of Doctor Deming's point, you know, that if if you've got people failing over and over, it's not the people; it's the system. 
Mm-hmm. That was yep. one of his tenets of you know, quality management or whatever. Yeah, so I don't, and I won't speak for Howard and Steve. Maybe we should have Howard on, and he can we can ask him that question. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to know if Howard's read this book because I think I, he would he would agree with a lot in it. Yeah, I I'm just gonna say I I won't uh, I, I only the second one do I have any affinity for at all. That's the that's as far as I'll go. Gotcha. And we did have Howard and Steve on before he passed away. I'm glad we got that show at its. Uh, Show number eleven, folks, on our yep. archive. We will definitely put that in the uh, in the show notes. So, what else from this session, Ed? Did, did you want to explain? Oh man, and uh, I, I think the, the we've only got about four minutes left or so. I want, probably want to talk about this modes of being thing, and and the, at the risk of trying another visual on the radio, right, Ron? It's right, just, right. just hard, but. Uh, I, I do think that this is this is a, a pretty key idea, and that uh, so you got a two by two ready, Ron? You two by two in your head? Love it. <laughs> two yep. by two. All right. So the x-axis is on the one side is absence and presence, right? And going up the y-axis, you have non-anxious and anxious, mm-hmm. and there there are four different modes of being, and I'll I'll take you through the the four of them. I don't really have time to go into to detail on them. I'm just going to go really more into the last one. So the first one would be an, would be an absent, an anxious absence, right? So someone who is anxious, but is not really there. And by, by the way, absence doesn't necessarily mean physically present, right? It means emotionally present. You don't have to be in the same spot, spot to be emotionally present for someone, right? right? You can be emotionally present for someone over the phone, thousands of miles away, mm-hmm. right? So, but an, so an anxious absence and the, the how I even believe call that the defector, right? You then have the present as someone who's anxious and present. This is the one that we, we tend to think of as the good leader today. Right. Like this, right. like when you ask the people, this is the, the savior or the white knight, right? Who comes in and, and fixes everything. Going to make everything right. right. Yep. Right. But but they have usually so they're present, they're there and they're engaged. But unfortunately, they also tend to cause and throw off a lot of anxiety, often uh, times, by the way, because they want to come in and save the day and they don't even realize that that's what they're doing. Right. Um, okay, so then the, the the next box is the the non anxious absence. So we have someone who's non anxious, which is good. Low self, good, can self regulate, but they don't participate. They're not really there emotionally for people. They're they're, they're disengaged. Uh, this is known as kind of the hermit leader. I I have worked for all four of these different modes of being of leadership at, sure. at different times of, and by far this is the most difficult one I think to be. To, to be a, a, a someone who's a, a um, who's who's who when when you have a leader who's like this that you're under that you're serving under really hard. You're not getting any feedback. Right, right. You get none, like for months. Yeah, <laughs> at least the defector, you know, he'll go off on you a few times. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and then the last one is that what they call the true leader, and this is the non-anxious presence. So you can see what we're looking for there is someone who is has low level of anxiety but is present. The real key here, and and why I I said that he, that he would dis or that that would be some disagreement with with some of the stuff that was said earlier is, it's it's especially with what Paul Dunn was saying, is with really good leadership it is about you, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's okay. It's okay for it to be about you, 
<laughs> right? You yeah, have to yeah. you have to maintain your health. And you know, here's another airline example, right? You know, every time you get on the plane, you get that speech. You know, secure your mask before helping others. Sure. Right. And that and that I think is something that that highly emotional leaders today tend not to do. They tend not to take care of themselves first because they think that, oh, no, I like Simon Sinek says, I get eaters, leaders that eat last or whatever. Right. No. Yeah. <laughs> no. And, and this is this is so hard because even though that true leader box is kind of the sweet spot where you want to be, it, it, it it's not it, there's nothing easy about this. No, there's I, not, because that's I, where you're going to get like a lot of sabotage. <laughs> right. I remember the Healing Leadership book tells a book uh, tells a story at the beginning of the book about you know, kids are lost in the woods or something. They they find an old guy sitting on a log and they ask for help and directions. And he says, "Well, the best I can do is 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 prevent you from getting more lost." Yeah. And, and that was kind of Steve and Howard's setup for the book. But the the other the other quote that I love about. Leadership Ed is from Peter Block. The real task of leadership is to confront people with their freedom. Amen. And, Amen. And I, I just think that's a great line too. Yeah, yeah. That 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 is. I, I love this this notion of you. You have your freedom, and you need to confront people with. Hey, look, it's your. You are free to choose here. You're not a tree. <laughs> right? right. Right. You've Dude. got you've got agency. You've got free will. So, yeah. Ed, what's coming up next week? We have an interview next week, Ron, with Daniel Bennett, and and he is with Ogilvy and Mather, right, in the UK? The Ogilvy Change. Oh, Change, uh, that's uh, right, yeah. that's right. He's, yep. he's okay. their senior yep. behavioral strategist, so he works for Rory Sutherland, folks, who we had on, in, I think, in one of the first or second months of the show back in 2014. Fascinating guy, a behavioral economist, uh, and, work, again, works at Ogilvy Change, so really looking forward to that, Ed. I'll see you in 167 hours. This has been the soul of enterprise, business, and the knowledge economy, sponsored by Sage, energizing business builders around the world through the imagination of our people and the power of technology. Join us next week, folks, on Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific. In the meantime, check out our show notes at thesoulofenterprise.com. We'll post everything that we discussed today, including uh, Ed's slideshow from his session at uh, Sage Summit in Toronto. And also, I'd like to remind you, if you want to contact Ed or myself, you can do so at asktsoe at bearsage.com. Thanks for listening, folks. Have a great weekend.